0: So Erin, I was just reading this Fox story that came out earlier this year, and it was a little bit shocking to me because it talked about how of the commonly cited facts and stats that we constantly see circulating about the fashion industry's massive environmental footprint, only one in about a dozen of those facts is actually
1: true. I know that Maxine Bidet has an entire institute devoted to unearthing which stats are BS and which are actually real.
0: Actually, Maxine is one of the primary people that was quoted in this article. We didn't plan that. I I didn't know that. <laughs> but, you know, so many of these facts are based on quotes. They're taken out of context. They were marketing language. They're based on gut feelings. I think they're all things that grab headlines. But the reality is, is there's so much research that needs to be done because if we don't have a scientific baseline, it's hard to know how we can make meaningful change and actually hold brands accountable. There was a really interesting quote from the article that said, As long as we have only garbage information, we'll only get garbage action from brands and governments to fix the problem.
1: Oh, my God. That explains why there are so many garbage brands. (laughs) We're like in gift guide season and I'm watching all of these lists come out where it's like sustainable brand X. I'm not going to name the outlet or brand. They include it, and I'm just like, this is made out of trash. They're lying, and they're contributing to all the greenwashing. So I'm just generally angry this holiday season. I mean, it is the ultimate greenwashing and marketing ploy.
0: I'm like the environmental Grinch. (laughs) I'm Melody Serafino. And I'm Erin Always. And we're the co-founders of Number 29, an agency that focuses on sustainability, design, and advancing social change. This Is the Enough podcast.
1: We're here because we know we have more than enough tools to make real change in the fashion industry. And we've had enough of greenwashing.
0: So, in the spirit of the show, I'm going to counter your grinchiness with someone who's actually. Not greenwashing and thinking really thoughtfully about this. I got the opportunity to speak to Estelle Bailey Babenzine, who is the co founder of menswear brand Noah, which she founded with her husband Brendan. Noah is a brand that he had created several years before they had met and then sort of tabled. And then they came together as this creative duo, him bringing his background in fashion and her bringing her background in interior design. And They're actually so anti-greenwashing that they don't even use the word sustainability. Instead, they say transparency and responsibility.
1: I know. I think that they put out a blog. The headline was, stop calling us a sustainable brand. We're not a sustainable brand. It makes me want to shop there more because I still know it's a small brand and that they are sharing what they've done sustainably, organically. And if there are places where they can make improvements, they're owning that. And I don't see many people doing that. So it's refreshing. It's the opposite of everyone else who's like, we're so sustainable. And the reality is, is like, no, they have one sustainable sneaker and the rest are terrible. No names mentioned. (laughs) Yeah, they really use their
0: blog as a platform to address some of these issues because the truth is no one brand has it completely figured out. Every brand in fashion still has work to do and the whole system needs to be fixed. And she's really candid about that.
1: Yeah. She also, I have to say, is one of the most stylish people that I've ever encountered. So I think that she's actually made it quite fashionable, as has Noah, to be an activist.
0: Yeah, she really embodies it. And I think her design thinking is really informed by her commitment to transparency and being more sustainable and being honest and open about what the brand can achieve and where it's at. Also,
1: I love that she talks about just by being a small brand that is more sustainable. And even the spaces she's created that are also just like so inviting that it's not like someone created a store because they're looking to optimize getting the most people in or I don't know I just feel like every space feels the same and theirs is so distinct and even the spaces that they built in other cities like the place that they just built in Tokyo which is the top of my list of places to visit when we're out of this pandemic yeah I know I'm obsessed with the Tokyo store I think that it embraces local artisans I think that they're just a brand that celebrates smallness in the best way and I
0: think they really honor the communities that they're in. They think about that when it comes to design. They're really trying to create spaces where people would want to congregate and spend time. It wasn't just coming in and transacting and making a purchase, but really enjoying the ethos of the shop. Yeah. I think Esau actually really sets the example for how to both create a brand and a company that is reflective of your values, but also just to authentically live that It goes beyond just thinking about the materials that they're using to create clothes or how they're paying their workforce. It's also about her own family and the values that she hopes are then reflected in her own daughter.
2: We had two babies at the same time because our daughter was born in 2015 as well. A lot of people start businesses when they're pregnant, actually. You just have this motivation, like, what am I about that I'm going to teach my child? It really makes you look at yourself and think about your contribution and how you raise your child is also a contribution to the world. You know, I'm a mother. I like to mother people and things and my friends. So having a child for me actually was pretty easy. She came everywhere with me. I'd strap her on the front. She's traveled all around the world for various projects and we just get on with it. You know, uh, when Brendan and I met, I had always worked in creativity with purpose basically. And we put both of our ideas together to formulate NOAA 2.0. At launch, we really just kind of focused as Brendan being the face of the brand and he is the designer But as we've developed and grown as well, what I do here has been coming to the forefront a little bit, which which is cool, because I think, you know, women often get a little bit overlooked, especially in this industry, in men's industries.
0: Right, because NOAA is specifically a men's clothing brand, which we should mention. And your background is actually in interior design work. You went to Central St. Martins, right? Yeah,
2: well, I studied fashion, actually, at Central St. Martins, and I did the pathway of communication promotion. So instead of producing a collection, you produce a magazine. So you're also learning art direction, styling, brand development, photography, and a lot of journalism, actually. And um, it was great. But at that time, fashion in the UK was actually quite, it was very pretentious. It lacked a lot of heart and soul in my mind. It felt a little shallow and I didn't see how I was contributing to the world. There was a lot of drugs. It was very much Caucasian. I didn't really see a lot of people of my color in it. And if I I wasn't trying to, hang out and do cocaine and do the air kissing and all that kind of stuff. I didn't see where, how I could progress in that industry. So for the year out that I had, the a work placement year, I came to New York and I thought about doing art direction in music. And I worked here, got a great job at Chiba Sound, which was part of Virgin Records, working with the president, with D'Angelo, the Voodoo album and with Mark Ronson wow. and it was great because I just felt like you know music is something that can really move people and change their lives and I want to be part add my creativity to that so um, I did come back to London I finished the degree came right back to New York and continued working in music and it was good but again this industry was very um at the time it was really male-dominated it still is it was really hard for women and ultimately my mentor, who was an incredible guy who's super high up at Warner Music, he he told me he's like a look around you. Is this what you want? Because this is what you're up against. And mm. it changed my course of my career. I went back to creativity, but within fashion. And honestly, since I can remember, I've always wanted to develop experiences. So I then went back to um, the idea of creating interior spaces within fashion. And actually, I created another brand before Noah with an X, which was a brand with purpose and it was incredible. We did some really good stuff. Ultimately, that didn't work out because he was with an ex. But, um, <laughs> but um, as those things go, yeah, right? <laughs> but I, I learned a lot and still felt really just passionate about creating something that could actually leave behind some good and change things a little bit and have some purpose to it. So that's what I was doing when I met Brendan. I'd had a concept, which was almost like a clubhouse, which I would curate and everything was going to be for sale. And all of these ideas that I had created over the years, they just came to fruition when Brendan and I bonded it's like, okay, let's do Noah again and let's make this our legacy. Let's make a difference. It's more than just making clothes. It's like, okay, put our passions to the test and see what we can do.
0: One of the things that every time I hear you talk about Noah, you always say Noah's not a sustainable brand. That's not a label that you have ever put on the brand, but it's often a label that other people put on Noah. Yeah. And I'm curious, I've heard you use the word responsible. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about
2: that word choice? What does that mean to you to be a responsible brand? It means thinking about every single decision and making the most responsible decision for people and planet that we can actually make without having to close down the business at that time. You know, and sometimes we are caught between a rock and a hard place where you'll make one decision and something else suffers, you know, and. As a small brand, we have to make some sacrifices sometimes or do things that we don't always want to do. But for the most part, we stand by what we believe in. We are environmentalists. We care about the environment and we also really care about people. And so it's thinking about all of these different elements in the supply chain with our own staff and just really just sticking by our principles, even if it means making less money.
0: I think that's really important because sustainability as a word has been co-opted as a marketing ploy at this point anyway. So in some ways, I feel like it's been rendered meaningless because no one really has put a clear definition on it. Right. So there's a lot of greenwashing that's going on, particularly in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. I think this past year in particular, you see a lot of brands trying to catch up and realizing, I have to start putting this name, this label on if I want to attract customers. What do you think gets left out of discussions about sustainability?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I feel, you know, really what is an understanding of sustainability It's such an overused, broad concept, sustainability. And I feel like using it out of context, which is often happens, like saying, oh, we're a sustainable brand because we try X, Y, and Z. Well, no, you're not. You're doing X, Y, and Z, which is a sustainable choice in that field. But you're not a sustainable brand because look at everything else that you're doing. Every bit helps. But um, let's not get it twisted. And I think the first and foremost, we need to be honest and be truthful about our flaws. And once it's acknowledged, then we can work towards the solution. But until you really acknowledge what the problems are, solutions aren't going to come your way. You know, there's so many companies out there which offer sustainable production and options and things like that, which will come knocking on your door if you are transparent about where you need the help. And I think... This is something that needs to be discussed more. The options, what are there at a company level, not just at a consumer level. Just getting in that mindset of the cycle of sustainability on on multiple levels, I think, should be discussed.
0: Well, I think often the onus is put on the consumer, too, to solve this, right? It's like, you make a better choice. If you make a better choice, things will be
2: better, rather than saying... Yeah, (laughs) we have the power as consumers We all do, and I think that's actually like the easiest way. It's like, okay, but as soon as a brand wants to say they're sustainable, it's easy for a consumer to be like, oh, well, I read that and I saw that without having to do all the fact-checking and the research. And brands need to be responsible about being honest, first and foremost. Otherwise, it's just hypocritical. I mean, we try to be very transparent. We have our integrity, and people call us out sometimes for certain things, and we'll explain and tell them exactly what the deal is and why that choice was made or just be, um, as honest as possible. I think
0: your blog is actually a really good reflection of that. I mean, I would say your blog is a new site in some way because you do have different categories like environment and culture, Tell me how you use your blog as a platform to talk about some of these important issues because you've talked about, you know, gerrymandering and uh, political issues yeah. kind of across the board, which sometimes I think people wouldn't necessarily think are relevant to the fashion industry.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like people say, oh, well, stay out of politics or that politics and business and fashion, they don't mix. I'm like, well, absolutely they do because we are all part of this culture in the society. Lobbyists for big business are what is controlling our government so no we can't stay out of politics because politics is business and for us we are impacting society we are impacting the environment we really care about our culture and our society so we are naturally going to talk about it it just feels for us we don't really have any option other than to kind of live our ethos through our business
0: well, and I think brands like NOAA and other independent brands are demonstrating that it is possible to both be successful, do well, and do good. These do not have to be in conflict with one another I'm curious to hear sort of how you've weathered COVID. I know you've actually opened up a couple of stores in this time, yeah. in particular one in Japan. Yeah. It's an old noodle house that's yeah. been around for a century that you took over and are really trying to honor the history of the building. Yeah, I
2: mean, we chose Incredible Partner. That is a family-owned business. I love that because they have integrity and they believe in building a brand slowly and they're not just trying to please shareholders. So it felt like a great, fit. We opened the clubhouse first, which was fantastic. And then took our time to choose a second location, which is Osaka, which is the second biggest city in Japan. And this place just had this rich history to it. It's on a mostly pedestrian street, although it wasn't like in the cut, which is something we wanted, it still had this privacy to it. You know, it's an old machia, which is a Japanese townhouse and had like an illegal extension on the back. I wanted to keep the noodle history and heritage going. So we, although we couldn't put a kitchen in the place, we have these incredible pot noodles by a super old traditional noodle maker in Japan. I love that. And people can now go, there's actually a kitchen in the noodle house and you can self-serve basically with these delicious, super like gourmet high-end noodles so I haven't even experienced it yet. I'm so sad to say because of COVID <laughs> and I just cannot wait. I've eaten the noodles. I have them here. They're amazing. But I really can't wait to go there and just enjoy this environment.
0: I'm curious how the, the brand ethos informs the design because you're responsible for the design and these spaces are absolutely stunning. How do you think about design when you go into a space like this, particularly one like this that was so rich with history or even the store here in New York? How do, you, how do you think about design and how does that intersect with the ethos around sort of responsibility and sustainability and all of the things that are important to you as a, as a person and as a brand?
2: Yeah, so trying to create green space is important, creating a space where people can feel relaxed, using sustainable materials, recycled materials, and a lot of vintage actually reusing things. With the noodle shop, it was a gut renovation, but it was a restoration project we were restoring this old mature house and a lot of the interior wood um, we saved that and we made it into new woodwork within the shop one of the things as well is just trying to create places where people can come in and gather and talk and learn from each other and really discuss issues of the world it's like we wanted to create a space where ideas are made and, if there, and these things can be spoken about around clothing too it's like some of the graphics and So these are conversation starters. And yeah, I've worked in stores that felt like clubhouses. And Brendan grew up, he managed a surf shop or he was the buyer for a surf shop. And people would just go and hang out there all the time. They'd talk about all kinds of things and things that mattered, not just like, you know, how much you can get on the resale of a sneaker or ridiculous things like that, which is kind of interesting too. But, you know, beyond the hype, what's really punk rock or what's really sort of hardcore is not being hoodwinked by our government and really taking a stance for our future, like young revolutionaries always have. And we just want to encourage that. And it's part of the silver linings to coming out of this. I think the fact that COVID, this pandemic happened at the same time as this election, and then George Floyd sparking up Black Lives Matter movement again to the next level, I think it's Serendipitous. I think it's incredible. I think it's perfect timing. It's, ter- it's, you know, it's hard, but it's there's a reason for it, and I think there's this new enlightenment and consciousness and a silver lining to it all. I-, I agree. I think
0: as horrible as COVID has been, it does feel like such a revolutionary time. Exactly. And I don't
2: think, I hope, and I don't think we can go backwards at this point. No. And most of us have seen, have had to slow down, have had to consider capitalism and. A lot of us have come close to or experienced somebody dying like from the pandemic. And we're, I think there's communities are building. There's a lot more compassion, realizations of what matters and what doesn't. It's been good. It's been tough as hell. And we're not nowhere close to being out of it. But I definitely, I see a shift in consciousness. And um, I'm hoping that will be a permanent shift.
0: I think that's what's keeping me going right now. You know, the whole premise of this podcast is thinking about what have we had enough of? How do we have enough resources to go around? I'm curious, what have you had enough of in the fashion industry? And what do you think we have enough of to go around?
2: Um, I've had enough of greed, not just in the fashion industry, but just period. You don't need to be the richest, the wealthiest. You don't need to have the biggest wardrobe. You don't need all of this stuff capitalism is really I think suffocating as a society and creating so much waste suffocating our environment it's just unnecessary and it's unnatural less is more in so many ways yeah it's difficult because we are in the business of making things however we do our best to create quality garments that are built to last again that's like making a better more responsible choice you're leaving money on the table but it's okay we we, as long as everyone's provided for. We can feed ourselves like we can enjoy our lives. We don't need the grand super yacht.
1: When she talks about wanting to create experiences for people, it's so evident and it just doesn't feel forced. Estelle's spaces are beautiful, but it feels like a place where you want to chill and have a coffee or sit down. I mean, she's British, so I guess have a tea. And I love that about her spaces. I think that that's why people gravitate towards them.
0: Yeah, I think Estelle talks about having worked across so many different creative industries, whether it was fashion or music and always sort of feeling like an outsider or that she didn't quite fit in with people in that industry. And so I think so much of what she's done with Noah is to create an inclusive space where people feel welcome. It feels like almost an old school style salon experience. There's conversation, there's debate. You even see this in their website where they're talking about critical issues. And they encourage that sort of conversation to happen both online and offline in their spaces.
1: Yeah, it's true. And I also think one of the things that I look for in a brand is that real talk that Estelle so embodies. You know, those that are saying, you know, here's who we work with. This is what we did. We made this achievement. We're still working on this piece. But they're able to bring us along for that journey. Those are the ones that I trust. For those that are saying like, oh, it's sustainable eucalyptus. And it's sustainable. Where does it come from? How is it made? I think any brand that's actually doing the hard work is going to share the backstory just because it's such hard work. You're proud of it. So I would say even just for consumers listening to this, just go to the website. I know it sounds like the most obvious advice, but you will go, for example, not to bring up Veja, but they have an entire project page devoted to the hard work they put into it. Same with Estelle and Brendan and Noah, what they've created. They're talking about what they've done. Another friend, Maria McManus, who's going to be launching her own collection in January. All sustainable. She talks about the process. We know where it all comes from and so on. So, you know, that's why websites exist.
0: Yeah. And if you're not getting that wonkier information, then it's a major red flag. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that that's the top red flag. If you ask a question, you're like, oh, don't worry, it's just sustainable. There's a real problem there. People can answer, if you're doing the hard work, people can answer the questions.
0: And they should be proud to. Yeah. You know, what Estelle was saying about fashion is inherently political, I think is such a good takeaway for our audience because that is one easy way that we can all try to do better is supporting the brands that we think are doing better. I would say maybe a year ago, I kind of made the decision that unless it's a small brand that I'm really want to support or a friend's brand or vintage slash secondhand, I'm just not buying it. And I've held pretty firm to that. I mean, this year obviously is an anomaly year, but I really haven't bought any new clothes with the exception of a close friend who has an amazing fashion brand that I like to support. And that's
1: it. Yeah. It's the same for me, actually. I feel like the only new thing I'm going to buy is finally, like, a proper winter coat after 18 years on the East Coast. Yes. I'm just hiding in my, like, inappropriately thin jackets that
0: are not. Oh, I mean, Erin, you know I'm the queen of not having an appropriate winter jacket. It's time, Melody. We're getting winter coats. And I grew up on the East Coast, so I have no excuse. (laughs)
1: Thanks for listening to Enough. As always, you can find links to Estelle, Number 29, and the Enough newsletter in our show notes.
0: Enough is a podcast from Number 29 and Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Natalie Brennan and Sophie Bridges. Pineapple's executive producers are Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman. Original composition by Hannes Brown.